Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, your host, Caroline Foran, and I'm the author of Owning It, and it's called Own It in the US, but they are the same book, just different titles, and The Confidence Kit, which confusingly enough is called You Got This in the US and Canada, and then the latest book is Naked, which is all about vulnerability. I'm joined by another author for this episode, Jane Enright, and her book is called Butter Side Up. She's a motivational speaker. She's brilliant. She's been through so much in her life, so much in the space of 12 months that would leave anyone shell-shocked inside out and upside down. But as the title of her book suggests, Jane has learned how to land butter side up when life throws you majorly unexpected curveballs. So for this episode, we're talking about how to handle the anxiety that goes along with unexpected change, big significant change that comes along in life sometimes and knocks you for six. How can we get through that? How can we approach that? How can we accept the inevitability of change happening in our life? And how we can learn to land butter side up and have a more realistic positive pragmatic outlook on life so jane is she's just brilliant she's food for the soul and i hope you enjoy it and i do recommend her book butter side up which is widely available everywhere online now so thank you so much for tuning in I'm so thrilled to welcome Jane Enright to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, author of a book that I can't recommend enough called Butter Side Up. She's a public speaker. You help a lot of people build resilience and develop a more positive mindset, which we can always do more with more of. And in particular, you guide people through big monumental life changes, which is such a source of anxiety for people. That's kind of what I want to focus on today, if that's okay with you, is navigating the anxiety of a life change whether it's something to do with being faced with a big decision in your career or maybe experiencing unwanted change where your life changes drastically without you having known it was going to come but first I would love to just go back in time and hear a little bit about your story and what led you to the work you do now because you had one hell of a year in 2017. 
I did. First of all, Caroline, thanks so much for having me on your on your program. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I think the work that you're doing is extremely important, particularly now during these uncertain times when we don't know what the next five minutes is going to bring. So uh, I'm very, very privileged to be here with you today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Basically, I mean, I, I do. I think I, I always tell people I need to tell you the context of how I came to be butter side up rather than butter side down mm-hmm. um, by talking about the past. But I, I am really one that focuses on the present and the future. But thanks for ask, asking me about the context. Basically, my journey began in 2017 with a life altering head injury. I was at a sporting event with my son and I got hit in the face, like just with a force, uh, with a volleyball. And it was was a very serious injury caused some speech and hearing issues, which thankfully recovered. I was like, I always like to say I was like a Dorian finding Nemo, you know, I couldn't remember what was coming, you know, forward or backward. And so that, that was difficult. Had to work with a speech pathologist to get back on track. And just as I was coming out of that and I was starting to say, what comes next, you know, hit with another blow when my uh, my former partner at the time, a man I was uh, involved with, uh, he had his own uh, catastrophic injury and he was faced with a life altering uh, uh, TBI brain injury. And uh, that was devastating. He was in the hospital for 76 days. Oh, my God. And Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, taking, you know, you think that, I mean, that's, those are mind blowing things to, to anyone. Um, but the, the fact that it happened right after the accident, I was still recovering when he had his injury and, you know, he woke up on day 10 after a semi coma, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And he looked at me and said, you know, everybody's so nice here. I can't believe, I can't remember who anyone is, but you're the nicest and the prettiest. And I realized he didn't remember who I was. He didn't, he had no prior recollection of who I was. He didn't remember meeting me. He didn't remember how old I was. He didn't remember who he was. He didn't remember it's like, you know, what he did. Very accomplished man. So that, that's a big shock. I mean, that's rapid unplanned change on steroids right Mm. there. So I can remember, you know, you've, I think you've, you've uh, read the book, Butter Side Up. I can remember exactly where I was sitting when I, I found out the news and I looked at him. I thought, how am I ever going to tell you what happened <laughs> in our life? Oh, it's like something out of a Hollywood movie. Like it really is. It is. It is. Yeah. No, no word of a lie. And, you know, we laugh about it now because he actually, I mean, he was still, this is a thing about brain injuries and, you know, with people, it's not the person, it's their thought processes and their brain uh, thought, you know, their brain connections. It's still not the person. He still had a wonderful sense of humor. So, you know, when he looked at me and I said, you know, I'm Jane, you know, I'm, I'm your, your partner. And, you know, this is who I am. He, you know, trying to, he said, you know, do we live together? Do we sleep together? (laughs) He didn't remember anything. And here I was on the iPhone, you know, scrolling through pictures, trying to tell him where we lived and what we were doing. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? I, I live there with you, you know, you, you know, I know you and I'm engaged to you and we live together. And then he said, geez, I must be a lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> and I couldn't, you know, so 
he, his humor, I, I, I like to, I don't take life to more myself too seriously. Sometimes I look, like to look at the lighter side of life. Mm-hmm. So thankfully that set the tone for the next 76 days. And I thought, boy, oh boy, you know what? I'm going to have to really dig deep here. But if I don't, if I don't use the, the skills that I have, you know, the, the humor in my life, I'm never going to get through this. So was it any laughing matter? Absolutely not. You know, he needed an advocate and he needed me to retell the story of our life. But, you know, that kind of, you know, set the tone for the 76 days. And then you think that would be enough. But at the tail end of it, at the end of the 12, just as he was getting released, I got word from a very, very dear friend of mine, my best friend of 40 years, that she was diagnosed with with cancer terminal cancer and very, very sudden. And she didn't have a lot of time. And that was a huge blow. I mean, if anyone's ever had a best friend, we were best friends for 40 years. For 40 years. 40 years. Yeah. We met, we met when we were kids and we started skiing together at Beaver Valley, a ski club here in Ontario. And I met her on the playground. And I always like to say I won the lottery Mm -hmm. when I met her. And uh, she was just a lovely, lovely person in my life and, you know, like a sister to me. And yeah, she was diagnosed as he was being released. And she said, you know, can you help me? And I said, of course. Um, But but that was I had to dig deep, you know, talk about anxiety. You know, that's again, that's anxiety at, you know, 150 miles per hour. So she, she, she passed away quite quickly, unfortunately, but I was there with her. So I had simultaneously, you know, three things going on in, in 12 months. I was recovering. I was trying to help my, uh, my partner at the time, and I was trying to help her, you know. It's more than anyone can and should have to take in, in their, their entire lifespan, let alone in the space of 12 months. It, it sounds like something that would absolutely break me as just knowing my my nature but from talking to you before we we were recording it sounds like I mean this would be such a trigger for you know falling off a cliff into anxiety of not being able to cope and how in the name of God do you put one foot in front of the other how do you find the positive in that but you realized when you were faced with this immeasurable I guess pain that you already had quite a lot of skills that you could then bring to the fore so it sounds odd, but you say you didn't necessarily experience a whole lot of anxiety around that time. Do you think that was because you were just in action mode and problem solving mode? You were in it. So you weren't worrying about what would happen because you were there and the worst had happened. You're, you know what? That is a great way of explaining it. I would say autopilot too. You know, I was sort of, I think I was sort of in shock at first, but I've always been a very effective problem solver. I used to be a strategic planner by trade before this happened. And so I spent, you know, many years, I spent over 20 years helping other people like businesses solve their problems and looking at problems from the outside in rather than the inside out. Because oftentimes I find what I've learned along the way is that it's very difficult for people to put themselves outside of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's that emotionality of it, right? I mean, anxiety, I mean, you're the expert on anxiety, But so I'm, you know, I look to you for your guidance, but anxiety for me is fear about the future. Yeah. Depression is, is, is sadness about the past and anxiety is fear about the future. And that's often what puts us in, in, into sort of stalling mode and in terms of stagnation 
is not being able to move forward with things because we're fearful of what comes next, right? We're fearful of how things are going to happen and why things are going to happen. And, and, you know, we can't, as I say, get caught in the weeds. So one thing that I really found helpful as a tool, I knew my, my, um, my uh, partner, who's a, who's still a friend, we're not partners anymore, but, but he's still a, a very close friend in my life. He needed an advocate. And so I, I took one of my tools and on the back of a hospital menu, you know, at midnight, I started writing out, you know, I did an environmental scan of the situation. And I said, look, it, here's the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, right? That's a SWAT. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard yep, of that. I have, yep. So I took a very emotional situation. And as Michael Singer would say in The Untethered Soul, I don't know if you're a fan of his work. I, I love him as an author. And oh, yeah, fabulous book. Um, tried to look at myself as an observer of this situation rather than being in the moment, like yeah. being in the play. Help take, you know, the emotionality out of it and not get caught, in, as I say, in the weeds, right? The overthinking part, because your mind can really race, right? I mean, when you've got a loved one who's who's catastrophically injured, you know, you're you can just be overwhelmed and saying, well, oh, my gosh, how am I going to cope with this? I basically just broke the the problem down systematically and and looked at it from the outside in and said, you know, how how can I approach this in a way that makes sense right now so that we can move forward, not backward and get him the help he needs so he can move forward? Because if I don't know what the hospital system is like in Ireland, but I mean, hospital resources are stretched. You've always got people there that want to help you but you're competing for resources. So you really have to be on your game, you know, in order to get people, you know, in your corner and and get them moving in a positive direction. So that was, that was really how I started to approach it. But I think looking back, it was really acceptance. I accepted quite quickly that this had happened and acceptance doesn't acceptance is, is not necessarily being happy about the situation, but acceptance is saying, look, if this has happened, you know, and it's really the first step towards navigating change of any kind, especially rapid, unexpected change. Accepting change has occurred does not mean that you have to like what's happening, but rather it's the actual willingness to accept change rather than resist or deny it. It helps you move forward and shift your perspective towards a more positive mindset. So that was really the first step was acceptance. And then it was looking at the outside in part of it. But did I think of consciously think about it and say, Oh boy, I'm, I'm accepting this now. No, no, no. There was still emotional stuff and there was still, and you have to, to let deal. yourself feel that as well. It's all part of the process. And like you say, oh, like very you, much can, so. you can accept something and still feel very stressed and overwhelmed and like anxious about it. It doesn't, it, but it's just getting to that point of saying, okay, this is where I am now and sitting with that feeling whatever that feeling is which for you sound sounded monumental you mentioned there about your your definition of anxiety which is spot on which is tends to be very future oriented and you were kind of already in the worst case scenario mm-hmm. but f- when you first when you had your injury something that's such a big thing with anxiety is just uncertainty and and like, yes i can only imagine the uncertainty you, you would have faced not knowing the extent of like you know what does this mean for you how is your future going to look how are you physically going to recover never mind getting to the other things that were going to throw you off balance as well so how did you how did you respond to 
your own for initial experience like did you did you find that you reached acceptance there with the same speed I guess that you did later on interesting question I think when I I mean I was dealing with physical pain right I mean I was dealing with and that's hard that's confusion right the confusion of being you know physically in pain experiencing pain uh and wondering you know well why does it I I looking back I'm a, I'm a, not a religious person, but I'm a very spiritual person. And I believe things do happen for a reason. Me too. And although I had the challenges I did, it was pause for me to say, you know, how am I going to move forward in such a way when you have a life altering event in, in that, you know, magnitude, it caused me to pause and say, look at where am I going with my life? Do I really want to do what I'm doing? Am I going to be able to do what I'm doing in terms of my career? It forced me to slow down. So that was the good stuff. The bad stuff was that I had to really retool because I've always been an effective communicator, but my communication skills were very compromised at the time. That's really frightening. I mean, if that's your bread and butter to to yes. stick with the bread theme and the butter theme, <laughs> that would be very unnerving to lose the part of yourself that is so much linked to your identity. Yes. You know what? It's, it's, you're, you're right. And I mean, I was always very successful. I made a living working worldwide doing that, not just in Canada, but in, you know, the U S all over North America and in the U S and, and UK and whatnot. And so, yeah, it was a part of my identity, but I think I accepted quite quickly that these things were happening and I got help. So I was gifted with a very proficient speech pathologist uh, named Dee, who was absolutely fabulous. And she, in fact, not only helped me with my injury, but she actually started a career that I never thought I would have because she said, look at the only way you're going to get through this. I made I made my living living talking. Right. So now I still have a few issues where I have speech aphasia. However, I switched my emphasis from talking to writing. So she said, look at, why don't you start writing rather than trying to talk? Because talking is difficult with your hearing and speech issues. And it opened up a whole new door for me to express myself. So that's where you see in Butter Side Up, where I wrote, wrote my dear friends and family emails. Because I was out, as I was going through this with Clayton, I, I first of all, I couldn't talk properly. I also could not um, process things the way I used to. So the writing was a way for me to process the events. And then I, you know, I tried to be as humorous as possible. So I would really advocate uh, for that with anyone. You know, writing for me was a way to cope with the day to day and process what was happening and stay in the present so that I could handle what was coming next. I use the one day at a time theory. Okay. So all of this change happened to you without you having any part in it. You didn't see it coming, life altering change, and you seem to respond very well in a crisis. How does that then lend itself to when change comes upon you and you have a decision to make like do I want to live here or there do I want to take my life in this direction or that is that more anxiety inducing than the change you don't anticipate um you know what I think that if you uh, fear is a big barrier to change I think that again uh most people 
know that change is scary. I had the pleasure and privilege of meeting Peter Drucker, who was a, a very, um, very, very accomplished organize, organizational management, uh, change management expert. And he once told me, you know, Jane, nobody likes a change but a wet baby, mm-hmm. right? We're all, res- we're, we're all very resistant to change because as humans, we're hardwired for routine, right? We like to know that we've got our favorite cup of coffee in the morning, or we've got our, you know, favorite, you know, dessert or, you know, what we do, we have our mealtime scheduled or our workspace, we know that what we can expect. And when we're suddenly throw, thrown those curveballs out of left field, it can be very, very challenging. And that can create a lot of anxiety, because it's like, oh, my gosh, what's coming next, right? So, what I think probably happened in my case is I had, I knew I was going to get overloaded if I didn't, you know, allow myself to, to step back from the situation. As I said, the acceptance was the first part and the OMG. But the other thing for me was mindfulness. And I had a great lesson in that from Clayton at the hospital because my partner could know, he could not remember the past. And he could not anticipate the future. He was in a constant state of mindfulness. Wow. And, you know, that's that's chapter five is one day at a time. And anybody who's ever tried to break a habit or develop a new habit um, can relate to that. And that's why I like that AA principle one day at a time. Right. And I thought, you know what, we're just going to stay in the present on this one and we're going to get through the day. And we're going to say, you know what, today's today, and we're going to be grateful for what we have. And we're going to set goals for today and baby steps. And I think that's what really um, kept me out of the anxiety because I was able to see little um, changes or little, um, I turned challenges into um, basically great results because I was able to see the forest through the trees. Wow. You sound so well adjusted. I just, Ah. you need to just, well, you have written the book for everyone to read. I'm like, you need to be, your wisdom needs to be bottled and sold. But I mean, you don't come out of this kind of year and this experience unscathed emotionally. I mean, you know, you can apply all the problem solving skills and you can have all the acceptance, but sometimes maybe not even anxiety, but just this depletion can lead to lower resilience. And, you know, it takes a while to build that back up again. And when we're, our resilience is low and when our energy is low, we're more prone to anxious thoughts and we're more prone, maybe maybe not you, but my listeners may be more prone to worrying about things that are outside of their control. So you, I presume it was a case of building yourself back up to the strength that you have now, as opposed to just coasting through, holding on to it the whole time. Absolutely. You know what, Carolyn, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and, and again, you are the, you are the expert here. And I was, I was learning as I was going. Right. And when I wrote Butterside Up, I thought I wasn't consciously thinking about what I was doing because I was a bit on autopilot, but I realized as I was going through these 76 days and I was going through my own journey of recovering that I had skills and abilities that a lot of other people didn't have. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to put those into practice. And so the mindfulness really kept me in the moment. And some people would say, well, geez, you know, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, you're, you know, if you're having a terrible day. Why would you want to be in the moment? Right? Yeah. That comes up a lot. If I want to get out of the moment. Yeah. Okay. So, so again, accepting that, you know what, today was a tough day, 
but it's not me. It's the situation. Right. And, you know, positivity. It's funny. I've been labeled a positivity expert, which is phenomenal. I mean, I didn't put that label on myself and I've always been a positive person, but because I've seen my life change on a dime, I realize how grateful I am for things and positivity and trying to maintain a more optimistic attitude is not about being happy all the time. Was I happy and go lucky through all those times? Absolutely not. I had tough days like everyone else, but I was so grateful that first of all, I had time with Clayton. I saw him moving forward. Some days it was hard because sometimes you have to go backward before you go forward. Um, But I was very, very confident that things would not always be that way. And I think that's where the faith part came in and the gratitude is saying, look at there's always something to be grateful for. And I'm, I'm grateful that you can breathe on your own and you can talk and you can walk. And I'm here and there were resources to help us. But I also did a lot of self-care stuff. I mean, I took up yoga. I made sure that every day I had time for me and I surrounded myself with a support system. So when you're navigating a crisis and any major like rapid unplanned change uh, like COVID, It's very, very important to take care of yourself, make your home, your sanctuary, have your safe space, have, get your sleep, have routines and rituals that help you um, maintain, you know, a more positive outlook than negative, because as a society, that's the butter side up theory versus butter side down as a society, we tend to look at things as glass half empty rather than half full. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like the drop toast, right? If I drop my toast in the morning, butter side down, it's like I'm full of icky stuff. I don't want anywhere near me. People will say, oh, you know what? It's going to be a crummy day. But if it lands butter side up, people are like, oh, awesome, right? Yeah. So that's when I really started thinking to myself, you know, I'm in control. I can't control what's going on, but I can control how I respond to this. And I'm the one that can control um, how I respond to it rather than react to it. That's the situation. I love I love the concept of butter side up because it's not just good vibes only. You're even in the title, you're suggesting that shit's going to fall on the floor. Things are going to go wrong. And it's how you respond to it versus, you know, it not happening in the first place. And I think that's a really important thing for people navigating anxiety is that they're trying so hard not to ever feel anxiety they're trying to avoid stress they're trying to avoid these things in their lives that are so you know part of life and and natural and normal Um, and it's really it's not about ever getting to the point of not feeling these bad things but allowing for them and accepting them and like the skills come in when you're faced with the the thing that goes wrong it's not about you know you don't learn or get skills or develop or become more resilient by not having any shitty experiences so the fact that you're allowing for people to have these things go wrong that's already half the battle i think step onto the legendary clay courts of roland garros where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the french open title Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're very, very aligned in our thinking. And, you know, I did in chapter 14, I talk about, um, you know, change can change its mind anytime, right? That's really what COVID is about now. COVID is unplanned change on steroids, right? We don't know what the next five minutes is going to bring. Never in the history of the world have we simultaneously as a global um, community experienced so much change on such a rapid scale, right? Um, we've had people had to turn on a dime. We have, you know, it's affected every single element of our society and it will continue to affect our society for decades to come. Mm-hmm. And that can seem like a scary thing. But if you look at it, you know, from the sense that, you know what, first of all, you know, there's there's no playbook. The good news is, the bad news is there is no playbook. The good news is there is no playbook, right? Yeah. So it's an opportunity for us because it's all happening to everyone, we can all relate to it, right? So it's not just you. Yeah, the, the commonality is is really key. Exactly. It's not just the, the individual that's experiencing it. We're all experiencing it collectively, but we're all going to experience it differently. For example, we've got people who will, you know, their employment situation will change. We've got people whose housing situation may change. We've got people whose health situation may change, but it also might change for the better. So again, butter side up, my theory is that, you know, we've all got the opportunity in our life where stuff with four letters and a T happens, you know, with four letters ending in a T happens to us all each day in our lives. We all have unexpected things that happen, but sometimes those unexpected things can bring extremely wonderful, wonderful outcomes and and, and blessings at the end. For example, for me, I've got this fabulous new career that I never thought it would have. I never thought I was going to be a writer. I never sat down and said, boy, I want to be an author. I want to write a book. And now I'm meeting people like you. You and I would have never connected Mm -hmm. had that not happened. So I look on that as a, a bonus rather than, you know, a negative. Yes, the, the, in the short term, there were a lot of minuses, but boy, uh, do I ever have a lot of pluses now and mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful um, time meeting people from around the world, helping people in a way that makes sense to me. And I really feel very purposeful with what I'm doing. So in terms of navigating that crisis and reducing anxiety, I always say, you know, living an intentional life. Um, it's very, very important right now, taking care of having your safe space, pre-paving your day with, um, positive things. Like if you meditate or listening to positive affirmations 
or just choosing, hey, I'm going to have a positive day or planning, you know, fun things to do in your own space, even though it's a pandemic, whether that's FaceTiming with friends is very, very important. Connecting with people is very, very important because I think we can all get up in our heads. You would probably agree with that, with the anxiety Mm -hmm. thing. You can get really lost overthinking things. Oh, absolutely. I mean, anxiety with anxiety, you're you're all in your head and you're not in your body or you're not, you know, two feet on the ground here in the moment. I want to ask you about, I mean, you say you're described as the, the positivity expert and that's that's wonderful. I have been somewhat critical lately of the massive push towards positivity in that. Bear with me here. I feel... I feel sometimes like positivity is kind of shoved down people's throat as like, just be positive. And it can veer very quickly into the toxic territory where it's denying people's very valid worries and concerns that, you know, if you ignore them and suppress them, they just grow arms and legs and become more issues later on. And I think people are getting maybe confused with this whole idea of positivity. And I don't know really if the better word is more like authenticity of just allowing for the good and the bad so like I don't just want it when I'm having a really terrible day just be like it's fine I'm fine everything is great and I'm so grateful for my bowl of porridge in the morning because I'm not like I'm having a terrible day but I think when you do feel positive then it's or when you can make efforts to make to turn your day around it feels more genuine and it feels like you're just really like honoring exactly how you are as you are when you are as opposed to trying to like pigeonhole yourself into negative or positive headspace And I think that people have a real discomfort with other people's discomfort to the extent that they say things like, oh, you know, but it could be so much worse and all this kind of comparison stuff that only makes people feel 10 times more awful than they, they did before. So I just feel like we need to just be careful around the positivity thing and, and how like starting your day positive like what if something catastrophic has gone wrong oh no i agree no i i agree wholeheartedly Abs- you know what absolutely and i'm glad you acknowledge that because i'm the first one i mean like you i do social media and i speak to people and you know i'm writing you know i'm writing articles and whatnot and i'm the first one to say you know what positivity is not being happy all the time it's it's not being able to think happy thoughts all the time it's, it's all about choosing to live more intentionally. Uh, for me, what positivity is, is, is basically saying, I have the right to be happy. I have the right to have a super awesome life and create, I'm the, you know, the creator of my own um, outcomes here, no matter what's thrown at me. So I'm choosing to respond to things rather than, rather than react. But I'm the first one to say, you know what? I have crummy days just like everybody else. You know, and you're right. It's important to acknowledge those bad days, you know, versus those good days. You don't you don't want to be artificially happy because that's that's not reality. You just can't do that. You just can't do that. And I think um, in this space of of being positive, I agree. There's a lot of misunderstandings about that. So I'm really glad that you're clarifying that, because that's what I try to put put across in my writing is. I was very real in sharing my feelings. Like I had some really crummy days. I mean, I had days where it was hard to get up out of bed, but I had a support system in place. I had a dog. I had a pet. I had an intention. I lived very intentionally and I still do today. And one thing for me um, is I'm very careful. Like after this experience, I'm very careful about who I spend my time with and how I spend my time. 
right? So surrounding myself with things that are helpful to me, again, feeling good about uh, feeling good about who you are, exercising, eating properly, developing healthy habits, um, being around people that are supportive to you. It's not that you won't discuss negative things, but that are really in your corner and saying, hey, I care about you. And, and how are you doing? You know, and also kindness. You know, that's a that's a big thing for me in terms of moving forward through the, through uncertain times is just trying to treat others as you want to be treated, because I really do believe good deeds come back to you. So, you know, maybe that sounds superficial, but again, I think we're all just trying to do our part and, and do things that that help us. And I've actually got some tips that I wanted to share. Um, you know, first we talked about accepting what is so accepting that change is happening, especially during uncertain times is the first step towards developing a more positive mindset um, and actually navigating. So it helps us move forward, not backward, backwards. So you don't have to be happy about things all the time, but it's just saying, oh, acknowledging, OK, this is happening. You know what? Today's not going the way I want it to. Um, but actually being able to switch gears too. For example, I had a really frustrating, frustrating day this week. You know, we were supposed to record this earlier mm -hmm. this week. I had more technical issues, you know, mammoth technical issues. I was super frustrated. And I finally just said, you know, after we connected, I thought, I, you know, forget this. I'm just going to go outside, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to stay inside anywhere. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go for to my golf lesson, which I wasn't going to go to because I was, you know, PO'd about my computer. But I thought to heck with that. I'm going I'm going to my golf lesson. I'm going to enjoy myself. Right. I'm not going to let this, you know, um, get me down. And it put me in a more positive frame of mind. Was I still frustrated? Absolutely. But I accepted it and I moved on. Um, focusing on your basic needs, getting more rest, turning your personal space into a sanctuary. The other thing that I think you advocate as well is developing new routines and rituals, mm -hmm. basically trying to separate weekends from weekdays, if that's how your schedule is, and getting more time with your uh, family um, and really looking at what you're grateful for each day. So that's a, that's a habit that I really enjoy is, is waking up and saying, you know, what am I grateful for this morning? And what are, what am I grateful for at the end of the day? And it really helps put things in perspective. On, on that subject, gratitude and, and gratefulness has been, we've, it's been around for so long and people really struggle with it. Why do you think people struggle so much with practicing gratitude? And what can we do to make it easier? Thanks for asking. Robert Emmons. I really like Robert Emmons. I've referenced him several times and I've got other references uh, as well in the reading list and Butter Side Up. Um, Robert Emmons has done a lot of um, research about gratitude. So again, it doesn't just gratitude. We know that being grateful for things and being kind to other people is, is good for us, but it also has been uh, scientifically shown that being kind to others changes our brain chemistry, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're kind to other people and you're practicing gratitude, the serotonin levels in your brain go up. And I didn't know that, right? I mean, I enjoy doing things for other people, but um, it's very, very um, interesting that it's also scientifically linked. So starting each day with gratitude, it, you know, people, sometimes people use a gratitude journal, um, having fun in your own space. 
it basically helps you control your reaction to events. You're responding to things rather than reacting. So, you know, making a meal for someone, for example, uh, what can I do today to brighten somebody's day, right, is a very, very positive way to feel more positive about, you know, yourself and what's happening. So that's, those are a couple of suggestions that I would have, because I think, again, as a society, we tend to look at the glass half full rather than, um, or glass half empty rather than half full. So it kind of helps put things in perspective. Absolutely. You touched on something there that I wanted to go back to about your, I mean, all of this stuff, this stuff that happened to you in this very difficult year, you could, you definitely wouldn't argue that it happened to you. It was not your fault. It was so like left a field, but you seem to still be very much the kind of person who believes that like your life is what you have decided it to be. And it seems to be like, maybe there's two kind of people, people who believe that they are in control of the things that happen to them or they create the life around them or people who think it happens to them and maybe the people who think it happens to them are more likely to feel anxious about things than the people who feel that they have more control would you agree I would I I'm kind of 50 50 okay. I believe I mean I can't control others uh I can't control others behavior you know I I believe that things happen to us for a reason but I also believe that there are things that happen in our life that are beyond our control absolutely what I also believe, though, is that we all have the ability to reframe that in a more positive manner, you know, and say, look, at it's not me. It's, you know, for example, if a person doesn't, it is, if a person is not doing something and, you know, in a way that you, excuse me, um, in a positive way to you, you can't control that. You can tr- control your reaction to it. And I think as, as human beings, we internalize that. We tend to look at the situation. And I used to do that a lot and say, what is it me? Oh, my gosh, what did I do? But more often than not, it's the person and their environment and what's happening. People are very fear motiv- motivated. I have a, fr- a very dear friend um, here in Canada and, you know, Karen, and she uh, she will tell you that there are two kinds of emotions, love and fear, the basis of our society. You know, you can choose to take a more, you know, um, hey, this has happened, an acceptance approach, and I can't control this, but I can control how I respond to it versus um, the fearful approach. Oftentimes people do things out of fear because they're fearful of their own circumstances. That's why people stay in, in relationships that aren't healthy where people do things that they probably shouldn't out of fear. So we've kind of talked about how to respond to or or how to better equip yourself if if change comes at you that you weren't expecting. But so a big driver of anxiety, I guess, is is like when someone is given an opportunity for change and it's frightening because, well, is it better the devil you know? If I make this decision, how will my life change? There's so much uncertainty. And I guess maybe the anxiety is more relevant in that situation because you have to make a decision to go one way or another. Whereas when something bad happens to you, it's happened to you, you're in it, it's done. And you know what you're kind of at a crossroads in life. So so how would you advise people approach making a decision that feels like it's going to send their life in, in one direction or another? Oh, wow. Another great question. I mean, I had to make some very big decisions. Uh, how, first of all, how I was going to move my life forward, but how I was going to help other people move their life forward or help a friend have a good quality of life in the time that they had. I think, 
decisions fall for me fall into two categories. There's heart-based decisions and head-based decisions. The, the head-based are the thinking, the logical part of our brain, which says, you know what, we tend to think about things and that's the outside in principle is stepping outside the situation. If I was a friend, taking yourself out of the play, for example, imagining there's a stage and there's, there's um, you know, you're sitting in this, the audience, instead of being on the stage, stepping back and sitting in the seat and looking at it from the outside in, logical approach and saying, okay, if I was a friend looking at my life now or looking at this situation, what would I do, right? What would I say as a friend to myself? Those are the logical, you know, those are the logical components of our brain. The heart-based decisions are the ones where you feel, right? And I tend to go by feel, go with my gut and just say, you know what, that feels right. You know, for example, it feels right that I would pursue a career as an author. And when I, but I also had to give myself time and space to make that big decision. So if I was your friend and I was, and you were making a big decision after a big life change, I would say, you know what, first of all, you wanna make well-researched decisions. You want to really step back and balance your heart with your head, because sometimes you've got people in the background, background noise saying, well, you should do this or you should do that. I'll give you an example. You know, career is one thing. I can't tell you the number of people I've met who have said, you know what, I'm a physician, I'm a professional, like I'm a physician or I'm a writer or I'm this, but I really wanted to do this. But I got pushed into this by a set of circumstances because maybe other people thought I should do that, right? Mm -hmm. They got, you know, messages growing up that they should do certain things a certain way. However, your heart space, when you're in, that's what your intuition is, will say to you, you know what? I don't know why I should be doing this, but it feels right to be doing this at this time. But sometimes, again, we have to take time. And that's what chapter 13 in Butterside Up is all about, making sense of it all. I had to process all of this stuff in order to talk about this with you. And I'll be quite honest, I don't even think about the past and what happened unless I'm not forced to talk about it, but I'm asked about it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't consciously think every day about what happened at the hospital or my speech challenges or my friends, you know, passing. I just have accepted that it happened and I've moved on. But I also did something super fun. I used travel as a way to do that. And I talk about that in the book. I traveled, you know, did this huge um, two and a half month trip with my sons, which never would have happened had this happened. I, I took one long shavasana, as, it, as mm -hmm. they say in yoga. And I just, I just checked out. And that gave me the mental space and time to figure out what was next in my life. For me, because I had hints of encouragement along the way that I was writing when I was writing that things were good, that people were enjoying those e friends and family emails and um, things, you know, that pointing me in the right direction. I, I knew I wanted to help people, but I wanted to do it in a, in a way that was creative and fun because I actually am a very creative person. I'm more creative than I thought, but I had to take time for myself in order to figure that out. Uh, with people that were supporting me. So, yeah, I don't know if that's a long, I, that's probably the King James version, but <laughs> rather than the Cole's Notes version. But yeah, just well-researched decision, take time out for yourself, 
ask, you know, look at things from the outside, try and look at things from the outside in. The SWOT principle that I talk about in the book is also good. Doing an environmental scan of your life right now and saying, okay, what can I control? What can't I control? Um, Because sometimes those challenges open doors to new opportunities you never thought you'd have, right? So true. I think butter side up, I mean, it's an absolute must read for for anyone who's listening. But for someone who just maybe just to wrap up, could just kind of tell us the essence of what exactly someone will get from it and the kind of person who it would appeal to. Oh, sure. You know what? Thanks again. Thanks for asking. You know, on the back of the book, you know, the opening line is uh, how often have you heard somebody say, I hate change? That's because some people do. Most people do. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, butter side up is basically the reality that we all go through change, basically a series of events that are some challenging and many joyful that shape our day-to-day experiences. Um, However, sometimes the unthinkable can happen like a pandemic and it leads you to to think, it begs a question, when the unexpected occurs, how do you successfully navigate change so you can land butter side up when life turns the tables? So I would say this book is not self-help jargon. This book is for anybody that first of all loves a good story it's a feel i I don't know if you agree i think it's a feel-good story Mm -hmm. because it's the ending right it's not the ending i don't want it spoiler alert i don't want to give away everything you know on the podcast but i mean there is a happy ending as you know a, a good writer tells you a great story but a great writer shows you you know uh, their story as well and that's one of the things i admire about you carolyn is you're very real um, you, you, we use everyday examples. This is an everyday, this is a true story. This is, this really happened. And this is a, this was a maker, make it or break it moment. So I tried very dip, uh, hard in the book to say, you know what, this is for anybody that's going through any kind of challenges in their life, like maybe a divorce or unexpected layoff or pandemic or, you know, life changes or health changes to say, look, there's hope. There can be hope and unexpected, joyful surprises after you know unplanned change. So it's for anyone looking for inspiration. It's for anyone looking for a great story. It's for anyone looking for tips and tricks on how to move forward with, with their life and create a new storyline so you can land butter side up in the game of life. And beyond the book, if anyone wants more resources from you or more pearls of wisdom, you do have your website. I do. I do. And I regularly write. I've been doing some promotion um, in the UK. So again, thanks for having me on the show um, with, in, in Ireland. I'm very eager co- to connect with our, our, my Irish audience. Most of my listeners are actually in the UK, believe it or not. <laughs> really? But you'll, oh, hit, wow. you'll hit both with this episode. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I've been very fortunate. been on the BBC and and different articles and whatnot but i've got a, a website my super because i mean who doesn't want to have a super awesome life that's my reality is i try really hard to get up every day and i always say i don't know what the next five minutes is going to bring but i i i don't know what's going to happen but i think something super awesome is going to happen uh so i've got lots of resources there as inspirational uh, stories. I've I've written it. I not only have written Butter Side Up, but I've also written other articles and short stories about my journey along the way. And I really try and do it in a lighthearted way, fun way. So just fun, funny stuff that's happened along the way in my life. 
and uh, inspirational quotes and re resources. I have a weekly newsletter people can sign up for. So they can sign up at uh, mysuperawesomelife.com, find out more about the book, but also janeenwrightauthor.com. And what I always do on my pages is I post my interviews at the bottom, links to different podcasts. I've got my Super Awesome Life podcast. So I'd love to turn the tables and have you on my mm. side of the pond and have you on, on my podcast as well. So I would love to. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. Uh, social media, Instagram. Yeah. Jane Enright 20, Jane Enright, uh, author.com, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, lots of different, uh, outlets. you're everywhere. <laughs> I'm, well, I listen, I try, I try to be, it's, it's, it, you can't be everywhere all the time, but no. I try and be in a space and write meaningful things. Yeah, no, I mean, just even being being on social media is the full time job in itself. So I salute you for being on all of those platforms at once. Jane, I've so enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you so much for being so open with your story. And also, I really appreciate that you aren't just doing what I don't like, which is just shoving positivity down people's throats. You're very real and you're very allowing for the fact that their life has color in, you know, shade and everything, which is important to honor if we're going to actually get positive long-term results. So I really enjoyed our chat and I, I just urge everyone to grab a copy of Butter Side Up, which is widely available in all good bookstores and as they love to say here some crappy ones too yeah <laughs> um, good. yeah thank you so much oh thank you listen it's been a, it really has been a pleasure and i i'm honored to meet you and be in in this space uh with you as well and i support you 110 percent. so so thanks for having me on and i can't wait to reconnect again oh thank you jane Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.